If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your name's written in the book. Already got a reservation for you. And those reservations don't change. Well, good morning. It is good to be here. It's uh, awesome to be jumping into the book of Revelation together. And I want to invite you right now just to go ahead and get out your Bibles. You can turn to Revelation chapter 3. If you've got your books as well, I think it's uh, page 46, I think, is the start here of the sermon notes there. This is week uh, 7. In our series here, this first series as we've been walking through here, the seven churches in Revelation, and this is the fifth church that we're going to talk about tonight, or today, and that's the uh, church in Sardis. And so I thought maybe it would help a little bit to get a little background about the city of Sardis, and you may not be that familiar here, most of these churches have all been in what is currently modern-day Turkey, and uh, John was writing uh, this book here in the island of Patmos there as he's addressing these different churches. And we saw that map there a number of weeks ago is what, where these churches were at. But Sardis was actually the capital city of Lydia, which is that, that, that region uh, right there as well in the Persian Empire back in that time period. And so Sardis um, was kind of one of the more important cities. There actually was uh, five main roads that all kind of intersected right there where that city was at. It, it, was, a, uh, it was a city that was big in commerce. Uh, it was uh, really strong, had a lot of textile goods and things that were produced there as well. It was a very wealthy city. Like I said, it was the capital, but it was also uh, a, a military city as well. Uh, I, I guess uh, the city actually set up about 1,500 feet above the roads below. And so it set up really high and had a natural uh, kind of a, just this, this fortress, this in, in impregnable fortress kind of uh, situation that was there and, and the military garrisons that were housed there as well. And it had a strong military presence there. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So that's the church, or that's the city where this church that we're going to look at was located. And we jump right in here at verse 1 of chapter 3. We see uh, point number 1 says, do not strive for reputation. Instead, live for real worship of Jesus. Do not strive for reputation Instead, live for real worship of Jesus. We're going to see here, this church in Sardis, uh, really not much good that's mentioned. Uh, This is a cautionary tale. And so, uh, we need to take a look at that and what here uh, God is telling us, what applies to us as here John wrote to this church here. Verse 1 says this, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Okay, so we start off again with, and to the angel of the church in Sardis. And that angel, angelos, that Greek word, it means messenger. And probably it's being directed to the pastor of that church. Uh, Very similar so far with every church that we've walked through. This letter's addressed, hey, here's to leadership, the pastor there in that church. And it says, uh, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Can everybody say, that's Jesus. That's right. Jesus is writing this, this 
here and saying, look, this is coming from Jesus for him who has the seven spirits of the churches. So here we see their reference to really the idea is kind of the, 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 the complete Holy Spirit here in the, each of those seven churches there, that sevenfold Holy Spirit that's there and the Holy Spirit's one, but yet the presence of the Holy Spirit in each of those seven churches here, the seven spirits and the seven stars. And we know from chapter one, the seven stars is talking about the pastors of each of those churches as well. And so Jesus here is, is writing these words and he's saying, look, uh, this is kind of, again, the, the authorship of that. This is who's, who's uh, giving these next few words. So pay attention to that. And, and what does Jesus say? He says, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, yet, or but you are dead. Jesus says, I know your works. He first starts off with an assessment. And he's saying, look, I know what's going on. And man, there's nothing that we can do to hide from Jesus. Amen. He is well acquainted, good and bad and everything in the middle. He knows what's going on. He says, look, I have made this assessment. I've looked at all that you've been doing here in this church. I know your works. I know the things that you've done. He says, you have a reputation for being alive. There is this reputation that they had. And so some of this probably referring back to the early foundation of the church where, man, they were on fire and they had all these things that were going on as they were serving their king and, and this reputation. But over time, things began to slip. You had a reputation of being alive. Sometimes, too, it can be that they were doing those things, kind of the living on their past glories, and others may just be the fact that they had a reputation for it because they looked good on the outside. But what, what, was, what did he say in his assessment? But you are dead. You look good on the outside, but the inside is dead. You were doing things, but maybe doing them for the wrong reasons doing them for the wrong audience, had that reputation of that. Man, at one time, man, things where you were on fire, this church was, was just killing it, was doing great. And little by little over time, things began to slip. Little by little, things began to move in the wrong direction. To the point that he said in summation is, you, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You're dead. Whatever was still going on, and there were still some things evidently that were taking place, it, it, it wasn't for the right reasons. It wasn't because of a heart of worship. Look good on the outside, but dead inside. Verse 2, he continues, he says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. He says, you're dead, so wake up. And here, here's this warning that we see here. It's time to pay attention. It, it, it's time to, to be on alert. Kind of literally saying, hey, snap out of it here. Wake up with what's going on. 
Strengthen what remains and is about to die. So evidently there were still some things that were going on. They were doing some of the things still, not like they were in the past and the reputation they had, but, but there was still a little bit that was going along the way it should. He says, take that, strengthen what remains. And you better hurry up because it's about to die off as well. They had started off, and man, they were on that descent, that decline. And he's saying, before it's too late and it is completely dead, strengthen those things. Start to shore it up. Start to be on alert and wake up to what's taking place. Literally what he's saying and kind of the words there of the song there, that offertory there, is that, 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 that kind of fan the flame because it's about to go out. Fan the flame that's about to go out. So what, what does that look like? Here's uh, four signs of, of spiritual decline. Four signs of, of spiritual decline. And honestly, this is, this is a letter directed to the church. This can apply to churches, but man, this can also apply to us as individuals as well. Number one, when we're more concerned about the outside than the inside. When we're more concerned about doing church and the things of church than we are actually a heart of worship. When we're more concerned about the outside than the inside. Or how about this one? When we focus more on the material than the spiritual. When we focus more on the material, on the stuff, than we do actually the spiritual and what's going on in the heart. When, when, when we're pursuing things, when, when we're pursuing just the stuff of life, it doesn't have to be bad. It would be stuff, though, that, that Jesus says will just burn up as, as wood, hay, and stubble. It's just not going to last. Think about that in your life. How much time and attention do we devote to things that aren't going to matter a month from now or that aren't going to matter a year from now or that won't even give us, a, they won't even have a thought about it five years from now. It's temporal. I started evaluating things even in this past week of how much of time and attention are things that man, the next week or a month later, it just doesn't even matter. How about this, number three, when you're more concerned about what people think than what, what God thinks. When we're more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. That's that idea of our, we're more concerned about our reputation than our character. As long as we look good, instead of worried about how God sees us, the true inner character. And then number four, we're more concerned about our comfort than our king. A phrase you may remember from a few years back, and Pastor Tim uh, kind of came up with that as well. But we're more concerned about being comfortable than we're concerned about what God has called us to do in our worship of our king. Maybe you've come in to, and have slid back into the mindset, I'm just going to take it easy now. I just want to get comfortable. 
just going just gonna to do things, just kind of make it easy so I don't have to really just put out that much. And, and I'll just keep doing these things, but everything else I'm just going to, this is just for me. It's, it's a little me time now. I just want to be comfortable. We're more concerned about our comfort than we are our king. What does, he, what does he say? He says, strengthen what remains. He says, strengthen what remains. What, that, that, that little bit there that, that they had going for them, he says, take that, start fanning that flame, start building upon that, making it stronger, adding to that. These are the things to be going after, kind of is the idea there, to build what's there. And he says, for I have not found your works complete in my sight, in the sight of my God. He says, you're incomplete. You're not finished yet. The, the, the good deeds that you're doing, maybe you're doing them for the wrong reasons, but man, there's still more that God is calling us to do. There's a reason why we're here on this earth. Hey, we will spend eternity with him in heaven if you're a, a believer in Jesus Christ. And there's going to come a time, man, where it's going to be awesome. Can we all agree we're not there yet? Right? But that's okay because for this small period of time, he's got a job for us to do. And he's got to call us to that. We're not done yet. You know, it's interesting that the history of the city in Sardis uh, because uh, I said it was, it was actually elevated up and had some natural barriers as well as the walls that, that had been built. And it was this fortress that was up there. It was a military outpost. And man, uh, it, it was, it was a, a safe place to be mostly. But actually twice in history up to this point, uh, they, they had been overthrown. Uh, the first time was uh, uh, back when and Cyrus, king of Persia, and they came there and surrounded the city and, and had a siege on the city. This was 6th century B.C. is when this took place. And, and uh, man, they were up. And, and at one point, and I don't know how long the duration of things went, but some of the uh, Persian soldiers saw, you ready for this? Saw one of the uh, soldiers in Sardis he dropped his helmet off of the wall and it went down below. And they watched as all of a sudden, a little bit later, this guy appears outside the wall, was picking up his helmet that had been dropped. And as he turned and to go back into that secret entrance that they had, they followed him into that entrance and were able to then get in and open up the gates and take the city. 6th century B.C. I mean, this is the stuff of movies, right? I mean, can you imagine there? They, they saw a guy just being careless, dropped it, and just didn't think anybody would do that. 200 years later, there was actually another time that they were conquered, and this one was even worse because as they came up to the city, and after a period of time, they actually scaled the, the cliff wall up to the city and got to the top there, and there was no one standing guard. And they were able to then come down, open up the gates, and they took the city well. Twice the city fell because of overconfidence. Because they thought that there's no way anybody can invade this city. They thought they were safe. They thought they had it going on. 
And so my question to you is, might that be where, where you were at? Might that be where, you know, the overconfidence, the man, I, man, you think back to, to when you were first saved or you think back to past times and how you were on fire for Jesus Christ and all the things that were going on and the worship that was taking place and you've just kind of eased in and just slowly kind of pulled back further and further and was still doing a few of the things. You still looked pretty good on the outside but you've lost the passion for Jesus Christ. You've lost that worship of Christ. The challenge here is to wake up. He says you're heading for that cliff. You're you're heading for danger. Let me ask you, have you grown in your spiritual walk in the last month? Would you say that I'm closer to Jesus now than I was a month ago? How about this? Have you grown in your spiritual walk from where you were at three years ago? You know what I'm saying. Before everybody got real comfortable being at home by ourselves for a long period of time, right? Isn't it crazy, the, the shift in our mindset be careful of that. Wake up. It's time to light that fire. It's time to fan that flame. Point number two, repent from building any mountains of reputation. Seat yourself humbly at the foot of the table and serve Jesus. Repent from building any mountains of reputation. Verse three says, remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. And if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come against you. So he continues here. First of all, wake up, strengthen these things. Verse 3 says, now remember then what you received and heard. Remember, think back to all the things that you have learned and all the things that took place. Think back to, to what you know in the past Sometimes we would say it this way, uh, just it's time to go back to the basics. Go back to doing the things that you know you need to be doing. Remember the things that, that, you, that, you, that you saw and that you heard. Go back to the, to the basics. Man, we see this all the time in sports teams and things like that where they get so good, so good, and then all of a sudden, man, they start taking things for granted. And, and, and the good ones are always going back to the basics, going back to the fundamentals. And that's really what, what John's saying here. The Holy Spirit through John is saying here, remember then what you received. And, so, and not just remembering it, but then what? Keep it. Literally saying, do it. It's time to, to start obeying those things. Go back to, think back to all those things and then start implementing those again. Do it. Do what's right in God's eyes. Do what you, what you know that he's calling you to do. So often here, and let me ask you, do you, do you have a good understanding of what God's word says? But not only that then, 
Do you actively take everything that's going on, the situations of life and relationships and all that we've gone on, and filter it through God's word? Where we see things and what's going on, you say, this is, what is it, where does it say that in God's word and what does God say to do about it? Using God's word as that filter. And, and, and that's using it to direct our actions and our attitudes and our thoughts and, and all of those things. Remember those things, keep it, and then repent. Repent. Pastor Tim mentioned this here, I think, last week as well, repentance. What what is repentance? It's real simple. Repentance is this. I'm going this way, and now I'm going this way. Repentance. When we come to repentance, it's saying, I'm sorry for fill in the blanks of where you've fallen short or how you've offended God or, or someone I'm sorry for, will you forgive me? But then not, not just leaving it there, and I'm going the other direction now. If, if, it's this, if it's a, when it's that sin issue, it's the, I'm taking this sin, whatever it is that keeps tripping me up, and I'm setting it down, and I'm going the other way. That, that's what repentance is. It's the change of direction. I'll tell you what, these couple of verses here in chapter three here, it gives us a nice five-fold plan, doesn't it? Wake up, be alert, strengthen, remember, obey, and repent. That's really what he's saying here. He's giving us a plan of action here. He's saying to this church in Sardis, and man, it applies to us as well. When we start to see that sliding back, we need to be on alert. But he also gives a a pretty harsh warning here as well. What does he say? He says... uh, And if you will not wake up, okay, everybody say not. If you're not going to wake up, if you're not going to fan that flame, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come against you. He says, I will come like a thief. There is an impending discipline. There's the day of reckoning that he's talking about here. We know in other passages of Scripture there, if you're a believer in Christ, then, then, then there will be discipline. He chastens those he loves. He's going to discipline his children. There's going to be that discipline that's coming. If you're not a believer in Christ, there is a judgment for our sin. And it's an eternity in hell. But there is that judgment that's coming. He says, and you will not know the hour. You know, I was thinking about this week, and I was remembering back to maybe some of you guys had this. I know uh, our, our first daughter, when she was little, uh, someone gave it to us. It's kind of one of those bittersweet gifts, you know. It was one of those jack-in-the-box, right? And it plays a song, you crank, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-da-da-da-dum. And the whole time you're waiting for it to spring up, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And you just, and the longer it goes, the more you know it's going to come quickly. And you just wait and wait. 
That's kind of the idea of what he's saying here. Hey, you know, he is so loving and long-suffering. But he's also righteous and holy and just. Don't test his, God's patience. Don't test it. He says, uh, and I, you do not know the hour that I come against you. I, I did a little bit of study on this, and here's what I came, here's the conclusion I came to. Ready? I don't know what that's talking about, but can we all agree it's not good? <laughs> right? Man, let me just say words that you never want to hear. The creator of the universe say, I've come against you. And the discipline, and it may come in various forms and that, but it's not good. We don't want it. It's bad. So heed the warning. Verse 4, he continues, he says, ready? Yet, but, you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who've not soiled their garments. There was a remnant there. There were still a few people who were getting it done. It hadn't completely died out yet. And so the idea here is, let's just continue to to fan that man. Take that, we we would call it this way. Uh, Around here we'd say, they had a core team. They had that core that still was there. And to, to, to really just start putting in and adding to that core and start building it back up from that core team. He says, for, for they will walk with me in white. And we see they will have a relationship with the presence of Jesus. They will wa- walk in white, the idea of, of holiness and purity. And, and, and that they would uh, be with him for they are worthy. They, they've done that which, which Jesus says I've called them to do. And so the idea there was take that remnant and start to build upon that remnant for this church here. And for us, whether it's a church or whether it's an individual, take that remnant, take that little bit that's doing well and start fanning that flame. A couple weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, actually this weekend, Pastor Pierce Vanny and myself were able to go uh, to pay a visit to uh, Harvest Bible Church Spanish Town in Spanish Town, Jamaica. And uh, we've got some pics up there as well. Uh, it was a quick trip. We were able to go down for the weekend. They were actually celebrating their fourth anniversary for the church. And you see a little bit of the church there at the top left-hand corner of that. Not only that, uh, the, we actually helped in planting that church, and we came alongside another church in the Caribbean, Harvest Bible Chapel, uh, uh, Turks and Caicos, and uh, we kind of partnered with them, and they were able to be there as well, and that bottom left-hand corner you see there, this is actually Saturday morning, Pierce and I were able to meet with, uh, in the far left there, that's Kenyatta Lewis, who's a senior pastor there at, at Harvest Bible 
Chapel, uh, TCI, the, and the next guy there on the left is Pastor Obed there, the ch- uh, pastor of the church in Spanish Town. Some of you may have seen him. They were, he and his wife Joy were here this summer during uh, the week of VBS. We were able to be a part of some things there as well. And then the others are staff and elders of the church at TCI as well. And we were able to just to get together and to do some strategic planning. We got some things that we're planning to be able to partner with them as well here this next year, maybe a trip or two as well. And also talking about church planting in the Caribbean and really trying to develop uh, some, some church planting opportunities in other places in the Caribbean as well. And so we were able to meet there, do some strategic planning. Uh, and then after the service, uh, we actually did some leadership training, Pierce and I. Uh, the one takeaway, I pulled those two pictures off. I, I evidently, Pierce and I can't talk without moving our arms. So clearly, that's probably true, actually. But, uh, you, you know, the, the church in, in, in Spanish Town, Jamaica, actually uh, has been kind of struggling a little bit as they came through COVID. And they were about a year behind us in a lot of the shutdowns and things that were taking place in the Caribbean. Uh, Pastor Obed's quote is this, when, when the United States sneezes, the Caribbean gets a cold, he says. That's the way he describes it. And so it takes a little bit. They actually, many of the sanctions and things and the restrictions had been lifted just a month or two ago, a few months ago. And, and so they uh, are really trying to start to build back uh, their, their uh, church as well, and to, to really, uh, they lost a, a number of folks through this time of being shut down or trying to, to get things going again. And so a lot of what we were doing as a leadership training was kind of talking to some of those things, and it was a lot of just going back to the basics of things. And, and it's just that idea that, that we practice around here, we call it the, the white-hot principle. And the white-hot principle here, whether it's uh, impact groups or whether it's church, or it's, it's you take the few that are on fire, right? It's, it's like that charcoal in the middle that, that gets so hot, it becomes white hot. And we just keep fanning that flame, building that up. And then you just take the coals that haven't been lit yet. You start moving them in closer, let them light and let it just spill out. And so the idea of the leadership training is you on fire for Jesus Christ. And so as we were, to, it's how do you get on fire and then you start to reach out and bring others in. And that's really what John is talking about here to the church in Sardis. It's, it's you on fire. So what does that look like? Here you go real quick. Here's how, how do you light a fire in your walk? Four steps. Guys, this is not earth shattering. This is back to the basics. For most of you in this room, you know these things. Number one, prioritize daily worship. Prioritize daily worship. Time in God's word. Following the reading plan that's in your books there. Meditating on that. Prayer. It may even be music. Worship music. Taking a time. Prioritizing that worship, that daily worship. Number two. A challenge from this passage. Deal with sin. Don't let it sit there. Deal with it. Set it down and walk away in the other direction. Repent. Be done with that. Number three, set your mind on the eternal. Colossians 3.2 talks about set your mind on the eternal. 
not on the things of this world. Start, whether it's your priorities, it's your time, it's your focus, it's your goals. Make it more than just the stuff right in front of me that we see and touch. But, but what is God, what is, what is Jesus calling us to? What's going to last for eternity? Less concerned about my comfort now, more concerned about my comfort in eternity when, when, when I am face to face with Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. It'll come, but not now. Prioritize the eternal. Number four, partner with others who are doing the same thing. Finding others who are on the same plan as you for, for many, man, this is a challenge, man. That's, that's what our impact groups are about. So we can do life together. We can encourage. We can sharpen. We can build into each other. We can lock arms, and we're headed in the same direction. Same focus, and man, when things start to, to slide a little bit, others can come alongside. Come on, man, you can do it. And we can cheering each other on, spurring each other on to love and to good deeds, Scripture says. I said it's nothing earth-shattering. It's getting back to the basics. But maybe you need to get back. Maybe it's time to get back to the basics. So let me ask you this. What do you need to set down? What may need to go in your life right now? It may be something, man, it's tripping you up. It's not good. And you need to set it down, repent, and go the other way. Maybe it's something that's not even bad. But it's distracting. It's pulling me off of the things that I should be doing. Maybe it needs to be set down. And let me ask you, what might you need to pick back up? Maybe there's something that that, that you used to do. Man, when things, when you were growing and you were on fire, man, these things were in place, but you've kind of let them slide. It's time to strengthen those things. Remember the things of what you see in her. Pick it back up. It's time to go after that again. What's it going to take to see you on fire for Jesus Christ? Number three, point number three, be a conqueror for Jesus and you will have him as your witness forever. Man, this is an awesome verse here. Pay close attention to this. Be a conqueror for Jesus. You will have him as a witness. He'll be your witness in heaven forever. And the one who conquers, everybody say that's saved. That's right, the one who conquers, that's saved, will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. For for those that are saved, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You said, I'm all in. You admitted you were a sinner, you believe in what Jesus did, that he rose, that he died, that he rose again, and you've confessed him, Lord, you said, you're in charge of my life. As a conqueror, You will be clothed in white garments. That means that even though I am a sinner, yet Christ's righteousness, man, that he has placed upon me and I will be forgiven of my sin and I will be holy and righteous. He sees me that way now and then in heaven, I don't have to worry about my sin problem. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. 
Did you know that there is a book with all of the names of those who have trusted Jesus Christ? The book of life. And the idea of what he's saying here is, man, when you're written in that book, you're written in that book. Your name will not be blotted out. See, back in the days, at this time there, they, they had kind of a role of the citizens of the city. And that was a role, that, and they would write down all the different people, and you had to be in there to be considered a citizen of the city. But then if you got in trouble and you got committed a crime or something else, they could come along and just cross off that name and blot that out. And what Jesus is saying here is, you know, like they do in the city, yeah, not like that. Your name's never going to be blotted out. You're secure. Your eternity is secure. You ready? And here's the, here's the, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Literally saying Jesus is going to confess us before our heavenly father and before the angels. When I get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, hey, that's Steve. He's with me. He's one of mine. Hey, check this out. Angels, check this out. Here he comes. He's with me. Is that an incredible thing? Verse 6 says, He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He starts it and he ends it by saying, Guys, pay attention. This is important. Need to take this to heart. It's time to wake up. It's time to fan that flame. You know, uh, the past week, my wife and I were talking through, we actually were on the phone with several of our kids. We're kind of planning for a vacation here in a number of months. We're kind of planning it out. We've got to do that. Everybody's schedules and things. We're trying to get it so that at least most of the kids can, can, can be there. We're going to try to go down south. And, and so mom and dad get the place. And we rent the, the, uh, the house there, B&B or whatever. And then whoever can come in, great. And if you can't, we understand. I got work schedules and all kinds of things are at play there as well. But, you know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about so many of the vacations that we've done before. And, and, and it's just all of the planning that takes place. Uh, all of the savings that need to take place as we kind of save. I was thinking back to back when the kids were little and they were in grade school. And, man, we had this trip to, to Disney World and we started planning for this, I kid you not, for two years before we went. And we started saving money. Man, back then things were much tighter than they are now. And so it was a big deal. And we started saving. And we would buy, you know, one hopper pass, you know, that gets you to the different parks. And we'd celebrate with, hey, we got one. Then we got two. Then we got three, four, and five. And, and over the months we would do that. We, and we were, I'd bring in stuff from, from Disney World. And they could watch and videos and things. And we started kind of maps of the park. And we, we planned it out. What are we going to do each day? And there was a lot of savings, a lot of buildup. And then we actually got to there for our kids. It was the first time on an airplane that they went down. And we stayed there uh, on site. And man, we had a blast that week. And then all of a sudden, we, it was done. Right? It was fun. Made some great memories. Wouldn't, wouldn't have missed it. But man, does it go fast all that savings, all of that planning, and then it's done. Let me ask you, what if 
you could take a vacation like that. But it lasted for eternity. Would it be worth the savings? Would it be worth all of the buildup? Would it be worth the struggle and all that takes place? And man, I don't want to say it's even bad because in some regards there was a little bit of sacrifice, but a whole lot of looking forward to. A whole lot of it's going to be great. Let me say, let's look and see how much fun we're going to have, what joy awaits us in the future. What if we could have that for eternity? Well, guess what? We do. We do. So what are you living for? Are you living for the here and now? Are you living for, for this week? Or are you living for eternity? Let's go after the things that are going to last forever. The things that will last for eternity. It's going to be, it'll be worth it. Here's, the, here's the, the biggest thing. It's guaranteed. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your name's written in the book. Already got a reservation for you. And those reservations don't change. That's what Jesus is saying. Amen? Amen.